Welcome to the Yoga Teacher CEO Podcast with me, your host, yoga teacher, CEO, and business coach, Della Wheeler. Join me as we combine strategy and soul to elevate your yoga business with ease. Welcome back to the Yoga Teacher CEO podcast. I am really thrilled about our episode today. I'm bringing on Gina Huggins, who is one of my very dear friends. Gina and I teach at a local studio together. And something that I admire about Gina is her ability to show up for her practice very consistently. She is one of the only teachers that I know that I see in class all the time. And this is something that I struggle with so much personally. When I first became a teacher, I really didn't know that the way I practiced would shift so much over the years. And it's really difficult when this healing practice turns out to be your profession. Something that I used to go to for therapy is now something that I do for a living. And it's something that yoga teachers don't talk about nearly enough How do I practice and disconnect, turn off my teacher brain, and actually receive the benefits of yoga after becoming a teacher? So Gina is here to give us some wisdom, to inspire us to stay with our practice, and to figure out ways that we can make it work for ourselves. So Gina, let me tell you a little bit about her. She was introduced to yoga when a longtime friend described her experience in a yoga class and thought Gina would enjoy it as well. She found her mat at the perfect time, struggling to find deeper meaning and connection, and realized early on that yoga would have an important role in her life. A decade later, and Gina keeps showing up to her mat. Whether through meditation, asana, breath, or pause, she has found tools that help her stay grounded through all of life's ebbs and flows. Combined, Gina has over 600 hours of training and study. She has been teaching group yoga classes and private sessions since 2017, inclusive to vinyasa, mindful, gentle, and restorative yoga. She also has endless hours of personal practice on her yoga mat and meditation cushion. Her personal practice has been a constant reminder that the student is also the teacher and the teacher is also the student. What a beautiful reminder. Let's dive into our conversation with Gina. I think you're going to love it. Gina's here. I'm so happy. You're going to be the most fun. Uh, <laughs> no pressure. I don't know. <laughs> so 
So Gina and I are really good friends. So this is going to feel like you're just, we're inviting you to come have coffee with us and talk about yoga, basically. So every time we start, I want the yoga story like that. I live for the yoga story. So tell us, how did you find yoga? And then a little bit about your journey towards becoming a teacher. Okay. Um, Well, you know, I guess in some ways the seeds were planted at a really young age um, in its own unique form, right? I grew up in the Catholic church, so I was very accustomed to like ritual and um, habitual ritual, you know, like showing up every week and going to mass and all of that. And as I got older, I felt very disconnected from, from Catholicism and just that kind of set of beliefs. And so I kind of fell away from the church. And then, you know, between like 18 and 20, I kind of was just like fluttering around, um, experimenting Mm -hmm. with different things and trying to find like something that kind of, I don't know what it was. I was just searching. And so uh, I had a friend in college who had taken like a college course on yoga. And she always talked about all the beautiful benefits of it that she experienced in that. And so my first job out of college, it was I was working at a residential facility for uh, teenage boys who had like aggression issues, and um, it was a tough, tough job. And we had to, as part of being employed there, you had to stay on campus for three days in a row because it was out in the middle of the woods in Tennessee. So I'm like packing up my bags to go for my first weekend, and I'm thinking about all the things I need to stay in this little like thousand acre area. And I said, I'm going to go get a yoga DVD. So the, the DVD, it was a Rodney yoga DVD. And when I would have downtime from working, I would just put it on in the staff cabin and do yoga by myself. And I remember thinking even in the, the, you know, the young stages of coming to the practice it like, it felt right. And, and then, you know, kind of moving from there on, I had friends that would suggest, oh, come with me to yoga class and do this. And um, I just started going to studios. And the first studio I went to was like, oh, I, I, I think of, you know, there was a workshop you did last year about like how presence in the studio as a teacher. And I know I didn't attend it, but when we had talked about the meat of it, I remember thinking like, this is such important material to be talking about because you want the knowledge of being a teacher in the classroom, but also how are you greeting your students coming into the studio space? And in that first studio, I felt so unwelcomed. It was like, you know, Bikram, like hot, just hot, hot, hot sweat dripping onto my mat. And it's just like, it. clearly you're not a yogi, Gina. So I don't know. It, it, it left me kind of feeling a little bewildered in it all. Um, and then I had a friend, introduced me to yoga landing in Chattanooga. And it was like, that was kind of all she wrote. And I, I finally found a place that was welcoming and where I could really like start to feel comfort in showing up to something that was so new. And I think it was about six months of regular practice there. So that I was like, sign me up. Like I need to know every, every bit of this, this goodness. And that lo and behold, that's how I met you. Our first little yoga teacher training. I know we did teacher training together. Oh, it's like, and it's so crazy to think of that it wasn't even, you know, that long ago, but I mean, it was in some way too. It's like half of a decade. And 
-hmm. So, you know, roughly I'd say I've been practicing now for about 10 years and I took that first training. I think like a lot of people just not expecting to teach getting out of it. And then like Maria said in last week's or your episode with her, she mentioned that, you know, it just kind of happened. And my first teaching job was at a CrossFit gym called Guerrilla Warfare. And I used to say that I was bringing the peace to the warfare. (laughs) It was was such a, you know, neat and interesting first time experience. And then just slowly over time, I, I, you know, found other teaching jobs at other studios. Um, And then just, I think the always student of my heart is wanting to learn. So through that, you know, I've now done those two separate 200s and just like I've enjoyed getting to like diversify my own personal practice and teaching style through learning of many teachers versus just kind of like and yeah and so now it's here I am just continuing to be student and teacher. Yes and that's that was what I wanted to talk to you about because something that I notice in you because we know each other and see each other often is that throughout everything you've kept such a strong personal practice and that's this is something that I've personally struggled with so I was like we just need to talk to Gina about it and this is it's kind of a difficult thing I think to talk about because no one tells you when you do teacher training and you become a teacher and you start teaching regularly that your practice is going to change in so many ways, like your own practice. Nobody yes. tells you. And I wish they, no. I wish I would have known. I needed a warning. <laughs> yes. And it does. And it fluctuates in a way that like, is like, it almost drops you to your knees because you expect it like, oh, I'm gaining all this information. So it's going to be constant the way it is as it is now. Um, and you quickly realize like, oh, and I think that's the, the, some of the meat of the yoga is that it kind of brings us into the um, essence of like impermanence, you know, and how things are ever changing. But yeah, it's like, stu- like ridiculous when you realize like, how how evolved it can become from that point mm-hmm. of departure. So it's yeah, it's, definitely. I think, yeah, I think of um, one thing that Jessica had said in our training was, you know, if you ever feel like your practice is personally slipping, pause, take a pause from teaching, um, you know, step back and kind of come back to yourself a little bit. And that that's one of those like nuggets that she had talked about in our two hundred that just really stuck for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not necessarily always reasonable to do that, especially if you're trying to teach and be a yoga teacher full time, but you can still find those little ways, you know, to pull Mm -hmm. back. Yeah. Yeah. And to come back to, to your practice, it is so important. And it's, I think I always think about it in the sense of my, this healing practice that, Mm -hmm. that, in some ways is like coming and getting a massage or having a little mini vacation every time I come to the studio is now my profession. It is my job. And it's Mm -hmm. both of these things. It's like holding the duality of I lead people in this practice and Mm -hmm. I also practice this practice. (laughs) Yep. 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 
And it's I it's funny you say that because uh, this this has come up in conversation with other people recently in my life that especially when you start somewhere whether you know you start at a studio and you're first the student purely the student right and then over time you kind of segue into if you know you're certified then eventually maybe you become a sub and so that's another hat that you're wearing in relation to the place that you started your practice at, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the home, the safe space for that way. And, and not to say that, you know, as those hats continue to evolve into, you know, full-time employee teaching at the studio or um, friend, colleague, all of the components that go into it, because the emotion is in the business of yoga, right? It's like the business component of yoga is a little bit blurry but we know that the yoga is like this goodness this earth like this like helping to ground and heal and settle um and it's those those hats that come with the business component that i think can deter us sometimes from showing up to those places that provided us so much space for healing Mm -hmm. and and you know i've spent now i've been fortunate to like live in multiple places in tennessee because i can't quite get out of the state um, I do love the state of Tennessee, but, uh, you know, being able to practice in different, have different home studios for periods of time that you kind of get to build up those hats in different places and realize that it's going to be the same wherever you go, but all you can keep coming back to is your practice. So like showing up to say, you know, I'm a super bubbly person and it's noticeable when I'm not in a good mood. But I've, I've learned to find kind of that like middle ground where if I want to show up to the yoga studio and take a class, my head is going to be hanging heavy. I'm going to probably look like I just rolled out of bed, like no coffee, because mm-hmm. no coffee, I'm not going to want to talk to anybody. <laughs> so like kind of trying to tunnel vision my way into like, I'm here to practice and set the teacher hat down, set the employee hat down, set the like extremely extroverted Gina version down and just practice yeah yeah that's a I think that's a really good way to approach it is coming in saying I'm just here for my practice putting your blinders on if you need to sneaking in if you need to last minute like whatever you need to do to make it an enjoyable experience for yourself is good and it gets easier when you don't worry as much about where your mat's gonna go That was like Mm -hmm. always one of my big things as a new student was like, I don't want to be in the front, you know, and then like I I had to have my spot in the back and now, you know, and then time went on and it was like, no, I want to be in the front. I want to be up there and kind of like, now I'm like, well, if I get there like two or three minutes before class, I'll just put the mat down wherever because, Mm -hmm. you know, at least I'm landed. At least I'm there. So I'm curious to talk more about how our practice does continually change. Mm-hmm. And especially as we become a teacher, I think we become a little bit more tuned in or aware of, of that of that ever-shifting way that yes. we approach practice. So how has your practice changed since becoming a teacher? I'm sure that you could do mm-hmm. a monologue. <laughs> You know, and you got to cut me off sometimes because my Italian takes over and I, I ramble. 
Um, so feel free to interrupt if I go down that tangent. Um, oh, you know, I think, I think it, in some ways, especially initially coming into the teaching world as a, you know, I didn't have a super seasoned practice prior to teacher training. I had a little bit of practice, but not like true, you know, true discipline to it. Um, and so after, you know, I had started teaching, it was like, whoa, I, I really know like shit. Like, I don't know a whole lot. I mean, I do, I felt I had a lot of foundation in what I knew, but like, I felt I had so much more to learn through the practice in my own body. So it kind of like stepped me back even a little bit more than where I thought I was in those moments. Um, and I think as that's translated moving forward, it's just, honestly, it's made me, I guess, in a way more dedicated to showing up because to my mat for myself. Um, because if I'm not doing that, then like, what am I showing up and teaching? It's, uh, I think, you know, I was, I know you know this, but I was a the Montessori teaching for a decade. And in Montessori, we talk so much on the concept whether in Montessori or just child development on modeling behavior. And, you know, you can tell when someone's putting it on versus when they're actually like living what they're talking about. And so I think there's this, like, I've, I've felt more compelled and responsible to continue coming to my mat and maybe taking it like too serious at times when I'm like, no, this is like, don't. Um, but to just keep exploring the body, keep exploring the movements, like look at it with intrigue, because the more I can give myself that space to do that, it, it evolves into the teaching. Um, but it, it's, I think what it, it yeah, it, it was a humbling moment of realization of like, wow, there is so much more to learn. And I can either feel overwhelmed by it, or I can just like ease into that discomfort and keep showing up. Yeah. 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 I think it also has made me more apt to like, and I don't know, I'm sure you feel the same way, but like once you open that can of worms of sense withdrawal and like tuning into yourself and what you're feeling in any moment, it's like you realize how much you weren't allowing yourself to feel. And then it's like, it kind of can feel almost overwhelming at times. Right. Cause all the flood of emotions during any of life situations present themselves. Um, so I think it gets it for me, it also changed the practice of it being a purely physical thing to really mm -hmm. kind of like, oh, here are those those teaching those aha moments on the mat that then like, how can you hold space for other people to like feel safe in those moments for themselves? Because that was I know we, you know, my first group of yoga teachers that I was learning from, they were so good at holding space. And just like you're on your mat in Shavasana sobbing, like, cause you know, you've, you've done a lot of hip opening or whatever, and mm -hmm. that all that's gone and they're coming over and they're like rubbing on your head a little bit, like kind of nurturing in a way that's like, it's okay to feel this. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just, yeah, I don't even know if that really answered the question, but that's what I got. <laughs> no, definitely. It definitely does. And it speaks so much to the importance of continuing your practice. When yeah. you become a teacher, it becomes even more important because, like you said, you are able to feel in some ways or in your own way what other people are also yeah. feeling. How important is it to have a personal practice and why is it important? 
I think it varies per person, right, on how much their personal practice is, you know, what, how much they're doing um, in a week of yoga or meditation or breathing practices, whatever it might be. And, you know, I know for myself, I call on those different variables of amounts based on kind of what's going on in my life. I mean, I, I know that for me, I feel in my body at like it's best if I take a yoga class, usually about once a day or like, you know, maybe five times a week. Um, mm-hmm. For the next person, it might be a little bit less than that. You know, you kind of have to, I think there's maybe the like footwork involved. Um, you know, Jillian St. Clair, my teacher in Nashville, was one of the first teachers I had that really emphasized the notion of like, this is a practice of discipline. So like, you're not going to get the major benefits like any other modality of movement, right? You don't necessarily get the benefits if you go once a week, mm-hmm. you know, like I love that kickboxing class we went to, but like, you know, like I'm not remembering the drills the same way if I'm not going, you know, but like maybe once every other like three weeks or something. And so I think if you start with that idea or maybe if, you know, if it feels right, you start with that idea notion that like the discipline is what kind of helps um, bring you into tune with how much of the practice you actually need. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that doesn't mean six, seven days a week, but you know, just kind of coming into tune with that notion of like, okay, it's reasonable for me to say I could try to go to a class three or four times a week for a few weeks and see how that makes me feel. And then, you know, you make your adjustments because life is constantly adjusting. Mm-hmm. And it's oftentimes, I think, easier to kind of ebb into the adjustment versus like pull away from it and feel mm-hmm. frigid and, you know, um, and why, I mean, I would, I, my marbles would have been spilled so much worse (laughs) in life. I mean, not to say that yoga has like, it's not, it's not the answer of all in the sense that it's going to keep you from experiencing trauma or turmoil or sadness or anger. But, um, I have to think that like, I, I, it, it creates a deep sense of emotion in my heart when I think of like what my life up until this point wouldn't have been like if I hadn't have developed practice for myself Mm -hmm. Um, because I have been able to turn to it so many times when I've been sad and just like finding like loving kindness meditation is such a healing thing. And it's like, you know, we talk about this with the parents and education, like think of it as like you have tools in your toolbox. And so when your child's doing something that's like creating tension in you, you know, maybe that one tool doesn't always work, but the other tool might work. And so you get more in tune with like, what tool do I need in this moment? And Mm -hmm. I think through the practice of, you know, treating it like kind of a disciplined practice in a way, discipline, meaning like you're showing up and you're, you're putting in the effort to kind of like reap the benefit. Um, You become more fine tuned to like, which tool do I need? Like, all right, that guy who just cut me off on the interstate, here's where I'm going to do deep breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, like I said, I'm, you know, in moments of extreme sadness, I turn on loving kindness. And it's, I think that's for me, the why is mm-hmm. it helps me kind of better attune to what I need in any given moment off of the map. 
Yeah, and that's the fascinating and such beautiful thing about yoga is it is this like all-encompassing thing that has so many tiny little tools mm-hmm. and amazing no. ways to really cope with your life that are healthy and that no. help you move forward instead of something else that we might do instead. Do yeah. you feel like teaching, I mean, do you feel like practicing makes you a better teacher? Definitely. Definitely. I, um, well, and you and Maria talked about it so thoroughly last week too, about just even prepping for your classes. I mean, I notice a difference in, you know, a class I take where it's like, you can kind of tell if the practice hasn't been practiced in the teacher's body beforehand. So I think like, even just being able to come from like the perspective of like, all right, I know this sequence is going to make the body feel good as it moves Mm -hmm. through. Right. So I think, you know, that is a huge thing. And I don't know, I I guess for whatever reason, and it's, it's been a profound feeling and I guess maybe one might call it a belief in, you know, as I've developed my understanding of yoga and its history and its philosophy and all that is that like once a student, always a student, same with, you know, teaching and student go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So you know, you can't be a teacher without a student and vice versa. And I, I think maybe too, that's just, again, that's part of how I look at it. I know not everybody, you know, feels that same way, but, um, for me, it aligns to the notion of, I feel like I'm a better teacher when I'm able to like devote time for myself and then translate that. And yeah, yeah. I, it, it would be hard for me to ever want, I know from a personal perspective, I don't know that I would go to many classes if I didn't, you know, have a teacher that I didn't know had like, you know, if I knew that they rarely like practice yoga ever, I'd be kind of like, well, what's it all about? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, but I know too, I'm very, I, I feel a lot of conviction for my, you know, my ideas and what feels right in, in me. But like I said, kind of going back to that point that like everybody's personal practice looks different. And there are weeks where I might not do a very physical yoga practice, but you bet your ass I'm going to be sitting on my meditation cushion every morning. Cause there's like that where one fills in the gaps for the other. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I think it even, I had like two things come up as you were speaking. Um, and one is, I think that our cueing is improved when we when we practice too, because we're able to feel in our body and then we can think, oh, this is how I can yes. explain it to my students in a way that they will understand. Yes. Um, that happens for me when I practice with the class like and do it at the same time. I'm like, oh man, I'm thinking of some good stuff to say because I'm literally yes. feeling it as we yes. speak in my own yes. body. So that's a cool part of, of keeping your personal practice. The second thing is that I think, especially in a community, if you teach at one place or even at multiple places, mm-hmm. gosh, it feels so much easier to just teach at one for this reason, is you're able to be a part of the community as a teacher and then you're able to be a part of the community as a student. Like you're showing yes. up next to people on yes. your mat and they're mm-hmm. seeing you and thinking, oh, wow, Gina, she comes to class, you know, and mm-hmm. she also teaches. I think that there's some kind of mental connection there that keeps people. They just know you're a part yeah. of the community. You're right here yeah. with me. 
And it's it's kind of like I I say this oftentimes because I'm like, whoa, it blows my mind that like, you know, when you're up front teaching a yoga class and you look out at the students and there's, you know, whether there's four people or 32 people, mm-hmm. you realize you have like I'll have these moments where I'm like, each one of these humans is having their own individual experience, but here we are as a group moving through it together, mm-hmm. like individual but communal. And it I I think that's also part of the reason why I do show up to practice like restorative. I can usually do at home because it's, I've got like the space for it. Um, But like for a vinyasa class for like, you know, even mindful or yin, like it's, there's something in the camaraderie of it all. Like we're showing up, we're going into the thick of it, like into the thick of it. Um, (laughs) and, and, And like, even as a, from a teacher's perspective, when you have students that are next to you in a class that you're both taking and you see them do like the inversion or the forearm balance that like they, you know, from seeing them in your own classes that they've been working on when you can celebrate those moments, even if you're just the student next to them, that's huge. And that's, that's, you know, people just want to be seen in a lot of ways. And I think like when you're, when you're first getting started in teaching, there's that kind of like bubble of like, I've got to figure this out. I've got to figure it out how I can show up and be the best yoga teacher ever. And um, sometimes part of that, I think gets lacked in the notion of like connecting, connecting with the people in the community, because I don't know. I I've seen where like, just by showing up, you get those interactions and then those people end up showing to, you know, they come to your classes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not always, but they, you know, they do. And it, it's, it's a neat, it's a neat way to kind of like be humble by, but also be wise, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> be humble and wise. Yes. <laughs> That's yes. what we're going to title this episode. Oh, I love it. I love it. Probably not, but um, I think that teaching and practicing yoga is a reciprocal process. Is that something that you would agree with? Yes, wholeheartedly. I mean, that's like, why do we even own? <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's acknowledging that we're all, and, and you know, it's funny because, um, when I, I did, so I did the yoga sutra challenge with Michael Johnson from mm-hmm. Asheville last year. And, you know, that's a delve into each sutra. It's like 190 something days, each sutra picked apart kind of, you know, understanding like what the meat of each, you know, each sutra is. And so much of my takeaway from that was like, this is like looking at yourself and how you fit into it all, like how you're reacting to the external around you. And like, um, and so I think, you know, it kind of bled into this notion of me realizing that I'm very much like a naturalist. Like I see my, through my eyes, I see the interconnectedness of it all, I guess. And um, call it woo woo, whatever. I don't know. It, it aligns to my heart and my being and that like, I know that those living trees are connected to me in some way, shape, or form. Same as the way that I know the practitioner or the student next to me, um, whether they're in my class or I'm practicing next to them, is also connected. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like when you get an assist from a maybe a teacher who's not super comfortable giving an assist, and you can feel that. You can feel that energy. And I would almost rather, you know, look at them and say, I appreciate it, but like, you know, 
find that practice for yourself where you feel more comfortable doing that because there's something so much more nurturing when someone puts a hand, you know, hands on assist when you can tell that they're like, they get it, you know, they feel comfortable. They're, I don't want to get too woo woo with it, but they're, you know, you, that energy that's translating from one person to another doesn't feel so rajastic or like kind of wiry. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely. I mean, we're all, yeah. And that even speaks even more to me of the importance of personal practice because you are transferring really strong energy back and forth between people. And you're also like holding this collective space for a group of people, like you say, who are all having individual experiences. And if you really allow yourself to be open to that, it's a lot. Like I, whenever I get done, this is just me. I think some people get fed energetically by that. Like they get out of the class and they're like, I feel amazing. Like after teaching, but I get out and done with the class and I'm like, okay, I'm done. (laughs) I'm done for today. It's a lot. And you're, you know, and I think too, to piggyback on that, it kind of comes back to the necessity of a personal practice because if you're teaching a lot, if you find yourself, I teach three classes a week and I'm kind of like, that's my sweet spot mm-hmm. um, on top of, you know, working a full-time job. And I know that when I've been teaching five classes a week, I'm like, no, this don't work. It doesn't feel comfortable because it, it feels like I'm, I'm having to, you know, that's me saying that five times, five classes a week with a full-time job. Right. Um, that for me is too much because it takes away from that personal practice, that space where I can really show up and like energetically be present for mm-hmm. my students or not my students, but the students. Not only does like the effect of being a student in the class and this, this kind of, you know, takes a, a, a different turn from what we were just talking about, but is that you think about the fact that like, I, when you teach with all, when you take classes from all sorts of different teachers, you are getting to experience what their mind thinks of when they're practicing and creating their sequences. You get to, you know, feel their hands on assist and what feels good in your body and like, okay, so you can take that information. And the thing about yoga teaching is, is that I have a hard time when I hear teachers say that like someone created a pose because it's like, this is a practice that's been done for a really long time. And maybe, maybe they created a variation of the pose, but like, really like a lot of the information we give to our students is given to us by our teachers. And so I can't tell you how many, I mean, I've been blessed to get to practice with some really seasoned, seasoned teachers who, you know, like, going to a Jillian St. Clair class where you leave and you're like, what the hell did I just do with my body? But it feels great. And I, the breath was all like on point and everything just feels so, you know, so much of what I've ended up showing up and teaching is inspired by the teachers that I've practiced with, that I've given myself the space to like, you know, show up and say, man, I really loved that thing we did in Della's class the other week. Like I'm going to, I'm going to bring that in. And, you know, and I think there's, always the like honoring and acknowledging like, Hey, it's not my content, but you know, it was amazing. And I want to share it with you all. Like, thank you, Della. And that's, that's a huge way to, I think, um, diversify your own teaching is just through like what you experience as a student and, you know, or like to the opposite, like, okay, we did that. 
in some so-and-so's class and I know it really agitated my knees. So I know that if I ever need to practice or teach that, I'm going to make a notion to say, Hey, go gentle on your knees with this one, or maybe don't do it. Like mm-hmm. feeling it and then being able to kind of turn around and translate it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Being able to receive, like you're receiving the practice from someone else and it freshens everything. It freshens your sequencing, your cueing, the way that you like hold yourself. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many times where I've just been so inspired by whatever teacher Mm -hmm. that really every class I come to, I'm, I'm receiving, I'm taking in information and loving every second of it. And I like that you speak to giving credit always Mm -hmm. if you take something from another teacher or you know learn something new then just crediting them or whoever they learned from like it's just a line of 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 knowledge that's being passed down and I think it comes back to the meat of it right like I know you know in today's world the yoga community is ever-changing right and um you know, we have to, for me, I always found it of importance to kind of look at it and just, I was always amazed at how long this practice has existed. You know, I know the physical asana, maybe only, you know, in the last 200 years or so, but um, that that's just been one teacher passing on from the next. And so, and I, I guess just from a personal belief system, I come with it where I want to show that same respect to my teachers because my, my personal practice wouldn't be what it is without them. Mm-hmm. And also like when we do really hardcore work and I can see it on the students' faces, like, man, oh, and I'm like, hey, you know what? <laughs> you go to Jillian St. Clair in Nashville, you can talk to her about this because, you know, she's like, <laughs> she'll make you work, but it's like good work, you know? Um, mm-hmm. it, it can also be like comedic relief in some ways, like, because I think that's the other thing too is, with your personal practice, you realize, or at least for myself, I've realized, like, I take, I tend to take things so, so seriously, mm-hmm. um, which is hard to believe for a lot of people. But, um, you know, when I think back on, like, teaching and watching children, like, standing on one leg on the playground, I'm like, they're doing yoga, mm-hmm. you know? And then I think of us adults standing in a room on one leg, and I'm like, here we are, standing on one leg, like, keep it lighthearted, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> really (laughs) and the students take it so seriously too you just know they are I'm like you guys need to laugh or something and I I love joking and no one ever laughs and I'm like y'all this is hilarious yeah and I think from like a new teacher's perspective it might feel like kind of like wait you know what because like I don't know. I pride myself on being a pretty funny person, but you are, yeah, yes. intentionally. But there are those moments where you say something in class and it's like crickets, nothing. I know. And, and it's, I think, a constant kind of like learn, like having to ask yourself, like maybe that's okay though. Like maybe they're like really into their breath and the movement, and like you've helped kind of hold that space. So like, it, I always have to check myself because I'm like, is it my ego or is it just like, come on, you know, like. Like, are you all having a good time? Like, are we enjoying this? You know? so it doesn't, I don't know that, you know, ask me in like another 10 years, but I don't know if that feeling of like, what's everybody, like, what are they thinking? I always say, I'm like, I wish I could take my own yoga classes, but yet I do. But, you know, like the actual class itself, 
the way that it's delivered once, you know, once you've taught the sequence that you've practiced and everything, like with the component of the music and your energy in the class, like, can I just have an auto body experience where I'm just like on my mat one day experiencing? Yes, I think so many yoga teachers feel that. Like, I've always thought that. I really wish that I could just come to my class. I want to see, is it good? Like, do I like my class? (laughs) I know. It's it's, it's such a Surely you would. Yep, it is. It's such an interesting thing. But, well, one day maybe we'll figure the science out of teleportation. Yeah, well, I think that that's a a nice thing about virtual classes is really they are they are recorded and yeah could technically Very take your true. class it's not I'm quite always, the same. But, then I'm like, but then I'm afraid I'm like I don't want to watch it I, I don't want to hear my voice <laughs> I have no interest whatsoever in listening I just think I would find something that I really don't like about it and it would make me self-conscious or something oh Della you are great <laughs> I I have to say I left today like with the combo of your class and then the restore but it was such a good way to start the morning. You have such a calming teaching voice, even when you're making us do hard stuff. Oh, yeah. Keep it like, chill. That's great. Keep that's it great. chill. Yeah. Okay, last question. Yeah, we always start with the same question and then we end with the same question. And the last question is always a hard one, I think, is what is your number one piece of advice for a new yoga teacher mm-hmm. keep practicing <laughs> I mean, that's the happy I, quietly. <laughs> yeah yeah I I think that's if I'm being honest that's the first thing that just came to my mind mm-hmm. is um you know stick to what grounds you even if it's not the physical asana but keep coming back to that too even if that means that you know you need to modify like sometimes you need maybe a more fiery practice sometimes maybe a more cooling um grounding softer thing but find a way to set aside the time and space for yourself because I think you that shows up so so much in your own teaching and your students Mm -hmm. can see it like you said before and it's um that's that's my my and also just don't take it so seriously Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like those moments where we tell jokes in yoga if no one laughs then I usually say okay I'm gonna laugh by myself (laughs) um and just know that it's gonna change it's all gonna continue to change and just kind of for me it's been helpful as I've continued to grow when I find myself like maybe getting in my head about like my class numbers or how many people are showing up just really and it it takes work but you know to really set out like step outside of that like chatter and just focus on like continuing to give myself the yoga and the practice because then once that chatter goes off you just start showing up to teach and you're like I don't care about my numbers right now I'm just Mm -hmm. here to teach um so yeah I say keep practicing Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's oh man. Yes, it's the that's a great piece of advice I think for new teachers and I think that there's always going to be things that get in the way and it truly is a continually changing thing. I think that you think when you first start practicing and when you first start teaching that it's going to be this constant upward trajectory. 
And that one day you're going to be like, you know, doing crazy yeah. handstand, like physically, I think that it will yeah. be this upward yeah. trajectory, even spiritually, that you will be able to meditate for five hours and do handstands mm-hmm. and like back bends and drop backs. Yeah. And that's what I always yeah. thought. And then when yeah. I got into it, it's, it's more of a, it's a wave up and down yeah. and up and down and. And it's to be sustainable, it has to be that, I think. Yes. I mean, it's going to be active and it's going to be passive. Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, well, I'll add to that then. It's like, you know, be humble, but keep showing up. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I've realized in in my own personal practice, I really, like, my body has no desire to learn crazy, you know, inversion stuff and, like, forearm balances and that's just how my body feels with it mm-hmm. and it's okay it's okay that's okay because that's the beautiful thing about yoga yoga is for every body not just everybody but everybody and um just stay humble and keep showing up and also you know I want to like kind of add to what I mean by when I say practice it's like it doesn't have to be that physical or even meditative it could be just ongoing study, you know, continue learning, continue learning about what draws you into the practice and like go after that. Like that in itself is a practice, you know, the continued Mm -hmm. feeding of your knowledge, which then translates to what you can offer your students. So, so good. I love you. Gold. (laughs) A box of gold in this episode. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's easy. I mean, we knew because, you know, you and I can just talk and talk and talk. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, yeah. Well, I hope it was gold. Maybe it was silver or bronze. I'll take whatever (laughs) I need it. Something shiny for sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you you so much. Well, of course. Thank you for having me, Della. I love you. Yeah, I love you too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Yoga Teacher CEO. If you're loving the podcast, leave a rating and review. Wanting to dive deeper? Check the show notes for additional resources for your personal and professional growth.